Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm an American male. And I am Ed Wood Britton. Welcome to episode 228, WCW Monday Night Nitro. Cue the flames. So this was the 62nd episode of Nitro, produced by WCW. It would take place on November 18th, 1996 from the Florence Civic Center in Florence, South Carolina with a TV rating of 3.2. Not bad, not bad. I'm sure just about any channel would kill for that today. Yeah. Yeah. Good rating for a news show (laughs) when there's something spicy happening. I mean, it's almost twice the rating that Raw gets now, so... Yep. And it's... Almost a full point above what SmackDown is now, so yeah, three point two ain't bad, ain't half bad, ain't half bad. Mm-mm. It's actually twice as good. Absolutely. <laughs> so Shane, we're in South Carolina. Yeah, we are. So, did you do what you do? Well, here we are, South Carolina. We've been here before. We brought some barbecue in the past. I probably brought a cocktail on another show. But this time I decided let's let's go for something a little sweeter. On the uh, the dessert chain in the South Carolina area, you're famous for you know your peach pies or peach cobblers. You've got the one that I stumbled upon that was kind of a shocker to me. Typically, when you think of coconuts, you think of somewhere more tropical. You know, your Hawaii or I guess even Florida, which isn't too far from South Carolina, but. For some reason, I just didn't associate coconuts with South Carolina. However, the official pie of South Carolina is the coconut cream pie, which makes sense because, you know, it's got that nice little custardy center, a little whipped cream on top, little toasty coconuts on there, nice flaky pie shell or graham cracker crust, whichever way you prefer to do it. Looking at my little info sheet here, it says that a place in Charleston called Miller's All Day is legendary for its browned coconut cream pie. Some fans even claim it's the best pie in the entire state. Others say that a uh, place called Justine's Kitchen in Charleston is home to the best coconut cream pie ever. South Carolina has a long history of whipping up decadent coconut cream pies. Here, coconut cream pie is ideally topped with toasted coconut flakes while the custard filling sits in a graham cracker crust. Here in Oklahoma City, I like to often visit my uh, friends at my fellow Good Egg restaurants. In this case, I went to Cheever's Cafe, which has a big old piece of coconut cream pie on their dessert menu. It's got a flaky pie pie shell instead of a, a graham cracker crust, but they basically make just a bunch of individual personal pies for you in the sense of this coconut cream pie. It's got kind of that pot pie shell to it. Got a nice little vanilla custard inside, some house-made sweet whipped cream, and then it's topped with some toasted coconut. Super good. 
I was telling the fellas here that back in my uh, junior high days, I took home ec, and this was the very first thing that I had to make was a homemade coconut cream pie from scratch, and it was great. It made me realize that I could do it, and I could make it actually taste good. Um, How does yours hold up against this one? Well, I'd only ever made that one. So. Oh, yeah, it's a little too far back to remember. Yeah, I mean, that was... Rose-colored glasses. 1989, 1990, so it's, it's been some, some time since then, but I'd like to think that it, it held up similar to this one as far as the, you know, not overly sweet, not overly coconutty. The, the coconut actually toasted nicely instead of just either burnt to a crisp or barely touched at all by the heat. Matt isn't the biggest fan of coconut, and he was the first to finish his. So I'm in the same boat as Matt too. Like I, I'm not into confectionery coconut, but this is uh, nice, and it's the right amount for me. Yes, yep. it gives you the essence of coconut without just slapping you upside the head. The mouthful of it. Jimmy Snuka, Roddy Piper style, with a coconut to the head. Yeah, I am mad at you, Cheevers. You you got rid of my my. Strawberry shortcake little thingy that you had, the little sweet biscuits, but you brought in a, a coconut cream pie in place of it, so I'm good with it. Good question. Palm. South Carolina's flag is like the a palm tree. A palm tree and a coconut tree are different things, right? Mm-hmm. Or they could just kind of look the same, and one produces coconuts. Or I'm just stupid. I believe so. I don't know. I just know that there is a lot of them in South Carolina, and that is on their flag. It's a pretty good flag. It's just a palm tree and a moon. Grow coconuts. Yeah, or are we just dumb? Because when you think about a coconut falling off of a tree, you kind of see a palm no, tree. Right? The coconut palm tree, which just so happens to be the most grown palm tree in the world, is the only species to produce coconuts. All right. Well, unfortunately, if you're anywhere in the United States that isn't the tropical region of Florida, you'll be unable to grow coconut palms yourself. Okay. Fucking Florida. Bogart and all the coconuts. Well, something that would happen right around the same time as this Nitro, a couple movies would hit the theaters, Jingle All the Way, mm-hmm. and Star Trek First Contact. I probably saw both of these. I specifically remember seeing First Contact, because I was like, oh, it's got Kirk and Picard in it, uh, and, Heck my, yeah. And, yeah, and I remember loving it. Uh, Jingle All the Way, is that the Turbo Man movie? Yes. Yes. Okay. I get that mixed up, but the Santa Claus is the one with uh, with, Tim the, with the snitch. Yeah, Tim Allen. Yeah. 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 This one, Jingle All the Way, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Phil Hartman, Sinbad. You mean Shazam? No, I call him Steel. <laughs> or um, Shaq Fu, if you're nasty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing Jingle All the Way because I was working at Blockbuster at the time, and when it came out on video, and it was a cute little Christmas story. I mean, the Christmas story was obviously better, but for a, a mid-late 90s Christmas movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, it was better than I expected it to be. I mean, yeah, this is Schwarzenegger going hard into comedy. Oh, yeah. He's, he's trying to be that family man after, you know, making Junior and... Kindergarten cop? Yes. Twins? I was more of a cop and a half guy than a, oh. <laughs> than a kindergarten cop. What about stop or my mom will shoot? Oh, I never saw it. <laughs> I never, never watched Star Trek First Contact. I was, I still am not anywhere interested in Star Trek. I watched, I take that back. I watched the 
the new, new through the Star new Trek movie or movies. I watched the first one. I know, but I mean, it, it's like a gay man's dream for Star Trek with the cast that they they put it's for just that a bunch one. Of with, handsome men. Yeah, I mean, you had Chris Pine. You had I can't remember his name. That's now on the boys that played. Uh, what the fuck was his name? He played Bones. Damn it, Jim! I'm not a I'm a doctor, not Bones. a cool man or whatever. Yeah, Bones. That's Carl Urban, isn't it? Yeah, know. but Carl Urban plays yeah. Bones in yeah. the new one. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I enjoyed that Star Trek just because it kind of shined a, a modern light on it. But then I never went and saw it was any funny. of the other ones. The second one is uh, Boo Boo. I think the third one is the best one, even though it, nobody saw it. But it's the one that feels the most like a Star Trek. Movie or oh, a Star the new, Trek story. of the new ones of the new ones. Yeah, the it's third, my favorite. Of the, the third three. one is the most best Star Trek. Star Trek movie. Yeah. The other they're stuck on the, an alien planet. It's fun. The, the first one is probably the most entertaining film if you're not a Star Trek fan. Yeah, yeah. But the second the, one just pissed everyone off. Yeah, and the third one I think was uh, my easily my favorite of. Was the, the second one where he goes to where Spock finds his mom? Or was that the first one also? Uh, the second one was when it was not... When they, they were like, it's not going to be Khan, it's not going to be Khan, which is like the villain from Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan, oh, yeah. everybody's favorite Star Trek movie, and then they, and then it was Khan. And it was, they, everybody was just mad, because it's like, no, that's yeah. what it is. <laughs> also, he's not Ricardo Montalban. Like, yeah, people like, or at least they liked Benedict Cumberbatch for a while, but, you know, he doesn't have the gravitas. No, I mean that's a huge jump there from <laughs> yeah, Ricardo and it's just Montalban. not nearly as good of a movie. So it's like, why would you do that? But the third one, I think, even though it was less did didn't do as well, I found the most enjoyment out of it. It became the cult classic of the and I probably you, you said I'm Shat- not like I'm not a huge Trekkie either. But you should Shatner and Picard met each other. That's not first contact. That's not first contact. No, that's generations. That's generations. Which one's first contact? First contact's when they're the Borg. They're dealing with the Borg in in the past. Okay. Well, then I don't know if I saw this one in the theater, but I know that I've seen it, but not as much as generations. I watched generations a lot. I mean, Borg is the big next generation villain baddie. Yeah. So it's other than generations, it's the, the other. best. It's definitely the other good Star Trek Next Generation one. Yeah. I've always enjoyed the run of movies, though. I was never, like, I've watched all of the original series, Next Generation. There's so much of it. I've just caught random episodes in my life. But I enjoy the movies. I'm not a Star Trek freak by any means, but uh, See, I watched a few I episodes like of the Next Generation, you know, way back in the day with you know, Will Wheaton and Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, Next Generation was my jam, because like, literally it came on at... Like ten thirty after the news on Sunday nights, and I always able to convince my parents to be like, "I'm gonna stay up and just watch this next generation, and then I'll go to bed." Promise. And it's a full hour long. And it was a full hour long, but well, they were cool with it, so yeah. I got to watch a bunch of it then. I actually, rewatched all of Next Generation a few years ago, and it must it, have taken some time. I mean, it's seven year, it's seven seasons, so it, yeah, it definitely took some time. My issue with it was that I tried. A handful of years ago, I was like, "All right, I'm gonna watch all of Next Generation." And I started up, and I was like, "This pilot is trash." And then I asked yeah. my Star Trek friends because I have some some Star Trek friends in my life, and they were like, "Oh yeah, it doesn't really get good until like halfway through season two. And I was like, "Fuck!" 
I guess I'm just going to do something else then. But literally, with Next Generation, it's there's no ongoing storylines. So yeah, it's just bottle episodes. You can just pick up whenever. Pick up the good episodes and and enjoy it. Yeah, I can do a, a Google search for it's not best Star like, Trek episodes. Like Deep Space Nine, the first like two and a, two seasons are the same way, just bottle episode type and then things. It turns into, like, but then ongoing. once the third season starts, it becomes an ongoing storyline. So you have to you have to stick with it. Yeah, but that's of. the thing that people love about it, and it's a lot of yeah. people's favorite for that reason. I mean, I've watched some of the new stuff on like Paramount Plus, and I've enjoyed it for the most part. I mean, some yeah. of it is definitely not not your traditional Star Trek. You talking the new like, Picard? Or uh, well, I haven't watched any of the Picard, but like Discovery. Like uh, that's right. That some way. people, some people liked it. Some people like were like, "This no, is this isn't Star Trek." Yeah. I thought it was fun, especially like once you get into it because it there's like ten episodes, but like the first three episodes are an arc, the second three or four are an arc, and then the last one kind of bring everything that were in the first two arcs back in, and it kind of like, oh, this is what we were going for. So it kind of like was like this like shock ending that hmm. I didn't see coming and I enjoyed but yeah I understand why there are trekkie fans that didn't yeah so. it's like oh we're not big enough big enough trekkies to get too upset about it it's yeah. like as long as we enjoyed it but you know like I said I uh, always have a good time with the movies and one day I'll, I'll have to get through uh at least season 2.5 and on through generations <laughs> or next generation I'm sorry generations the film <laughs> seen that one a few times yeah they did do a jingle all the way too i was thinking yeah so, it's the larry the cable guy oh wow. made for tv sad but santino morello was in that apparently good for him <laughs> oh fun yeah i'm good on uh that jingle wrestler, all the way to wrestler movie project Woo. well let's talk some nitro let's do it and we go straight to the ring to see the outsiders with chairs in hand. In progress. Yeah, when that started, I had to hit the rewind button on my my screen yeah. just because I'm like, did it jump forward and I missed something? What the fuck? They just turned it on at the end <laughs> of Dark Match or whatever. And they decided to interrupt the Dark Match of Nasty Boys versus High Voltage versus Cyclope and Galaxy and lay them all out with the chairs. And Nash and Hall then head over to the announcer's table at ringside taking a mic while staring down Tony Schiavone, <laughs> saying, I don't see you laughing today. That was so funny last week. Funny like a clown. Were you laughing at me? I'm not so funny tonight, am I? I can be real funny, or I can be real deadly. And Nash continues to threaten Tony and flicking him in the head, before Hall takes the mic to say he keeps hearing how scary the faces of fear are but tells them to come out so we can slap that coconut breath out of them. Huh. Good choice. Nice little tie in there. I didn't even catch that part. <laughs> yeah, you're probably ready for a match to start. <laughs> <laughs> the outsiders leave to the back where Ming and the Barbarian are waiting to attack them once they reach the backstage area. And the two teams brawl out of the building as we head to a commercial break. Yeah, because nobody wants to see that the brawl to the back. So the whole, the whole Shivani laughing at them was from the previous week's Nitro. I guess the NWO had come out with some, doing a segment where they were trying to be funny, and they had some witty comments, and 
Tony basically acted like David Letterman interviewing Crispin Glover. Nice. He just no-sold him. Yeah. For those of you kids listening, Crispin Glover was the father, George McFly, in Back to the Future. And he's a real-ass freak. An interesting guy to look up. Yeah. You should literally go and find these interviews. Yeah. Watch, they watch are Willard. so good. Uh-huh. Read his Wikipedia. Is that what it's called? Willard? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah Make sure remake, I wasn't crossing over the, the wrong remake one. is... Ben the sequel to Willard, or did Ben come first? Ben was first. That and was... then Willard, and then they did the Willard movie in like the 2000s. Yeah, because Michael Jackson's song, Ben, ben from way back in the day. I think it was his first uh, solo single. Yeah. But we're back from commercial, and our announcers show us the footage of the Outsiders' attack on the match in the ring. And Larry Zabisco is trying to calm Shivani down. Tony says he's got five kids, a wife... And he doesn't need to put up with this kind of abuse. So he leaves to the back. Yep. Tony and Mrs. have been getting busy with them. And this is the reason we watched this episode, because it's a Tony Schiavone list. Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I love Larry Zabisco, and uh, he's been on commentary before. We've seen him on commentary before and enjoyed him, but this was uh, nice, and it feels like I hadn't seen him in a while, and uh, I think he does a great job here. And this is the last time we will never see High Voltage again. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> So we go to our first match, La Parca versus Juventud Guerrera. What's up, La Parca? La Parca, also known as L.A. Park in 2023, is a Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. And this is his WCW debut. Yeah, and I believe that, I think, is it Triple A or... What the other or CMLL. CMLL? Yeah, one of the two owns the name La Parca. So when he stopped working for them, he had to switch his name to L.A. Park because there was other people working. At La Parca. But he actually won it back a few Did years he? ago. Good for him. Yeah, hmm. but he still goes by L.A. Park. Yeah, I won't lie. Watching old La Parca back in the '96, '97 years, I would not expect him to still be around today. Honestly, when he first started in WCW, I thought he was more of like a comedy character, just because I'm like, this isn't really, this ain't real. Because his outfit's so goofy. Yeah. His outfit's wild. There's like eyes and like the chest plate and stuff. Yeah. He is great in the ring. Yes. They do some comedy gimmicks with him. Oh, yeah. Later on. Yeah. Like, I know the one that everyone most remembers is for is, he has a mic, but uh, it was Oklahoma. Uh, was in the back talking gibberish or whatever, making it sound like he was talking gi- it, it, it was not funny. Yeah. Oklahoma. But Hoovy <laughs> immediately dives off the top rope to start the match, only for Parka to avoid and fire back with a spinning heel kick that Guerrero ducks and hits one of his own. The two men trade chops when Mike Tanay would come out to help Larry for the rest of the first hour. Happy to have you. That's right. Hoobie hits a clothesline, but Laparka responds with a backbreaker, only to charge in to be back body dropped out to the apron, before slingshotting himself into a body scissors of Guerrera to pull them both out to the floor. Parker runs back into the ring, only to tope Suicida right back out to send Hoobie into a guardrail. Now back in the ring, Laparka takes Guerrera up to a turnbuckle, but he's shoved off onto the ropes to crotch himself. Followed by Hoovy hitting a springboard head scissors for a two count. Guerrero continues with a cobrada for a near fall, sets up for another springboard, 
only for Parker to catch him with a drop kick in midair for a two count. You'll love to see it. The Parker delivers another drop kick that sends Hoovy out to the floor, climbs to the top turnbuckle to fly out onto him with a plancha. Back inside, Parker nails a power bomb for a near fall, followed by applying a surfboard, which Guerrero escapes and drills the Parker with a missile drop kick for a two count. Now Parker reverses a whip to send Hoovy to a corner, charges in only for Guerrero to move, sending LaParka shoulder first into a ring post. Posted. Followed by a 10 count of turnbuckle smashes. Hoovy takes Parker up to a turnbuckle for a springboard head scissors for a near fall, followed by a basement drop kick and a whip that is reversed, only for Guerrero to try to leap up and over, but he's caught. So LaParka goes for a running power slam. But Hoovy wiggles free and shoves Parker into the turnbuckle, where he bounces backwards into an ugly-looking hurricanrana for a two-count. Oh, it, it was ugly. Not as, you know, it was no basement dropkick. A move I love to see. Parker retaliates with a body slam and heads up top, where he misses a senton, allowing Guerrero to drop an elbow and go for a body slam of his own. But LaParka rolls him up for a near fall. Parker then tries to toss Hoovy up into the air for a faceplant, but Guerrero lands on his feet and nails a spinning heel kick and a DDT for a two count. LaParka then takes Hoovy to the top turnbuckle, but he's fought off, allowing Guerrero to deliver a tornado DDT for an airfall. Now Hoovy takes Parker to the top, where he climbs up for a spinning Frankensteiner, but LaParka blocks and sends Guerrero down to the mat, allowing Parker to hit a corkscrew senton. For the pin and, and the, the win. win. I mean, Hoobitude's had some WCW airtime. Let, let the whole LA Park catch a win. Mike today then sends us to a video package where we get highlights of Ultimo Dragon from the J Crown tournament and Hog Wild. And since the J Crown tournament, Dragon has defeated the great Sasaki. So he is now the J Crown champ. He's a lot of champs. That's why he has all those belts when he comes out. Eight of them, I believe. Going for number nine. So we get our second match. Ultimo Dragon with Sonny Ono versus D. Malenko for the WCW World Cruiserweight Championship. And Dean just got this belt back in Havoc. And I don't know if anyone else counted how many belts he had because it's supposed to be eight. I did not count them. But he only carried out seven because... WWF wouldn't allow their their belt to be shown on WCW TV. <laughs> Understandable. Yep. So as the match starts, we go to double screen to hear comments from Ray Mysterio Jr. And Ray says that Dean gave him a chance, and I won the belt. Then I gave him a chance, and he won the belt. And you're one of the toughest opponents I've ever had. So let's do it a third time. Cool, oh, shucks. Ray. Yeah. Oh, shucks, Dean. <laughs> That's how it comes off. Uh, I don't remember Ray ever getting great at promos, but, uh, you know, he just comes off like a like the young man that he is. Yep. Mr. Malenko, can you have a one more match with me, sir? Uh, please. Back to the action where our two competitors are back and forth with some mat wrestling until Ultimo hits a handspring back elbow. But Malenko comes right back with a corner clothesline. The two have a reversal sequence out of a full Nelson into multiple pin attempts, all for two counts, 
before Dragon gains control with a Tiger Suplex for a near fall. Dean hits a clothesline only for Ultimo to respond with a spinning heel kick that sends Malenko rolling out to the floor. And Dragon follows out with a baseball slide that Dean avoids before they fight over a whip that ultimately sends Malenko into a guardrail. Now back in the ring, Ultimo heads up top, but Dean meets him there. So Dragon elbows Malenko down and goes for a moonsault, which Dean avoids. Malenko then locks on the Texas Cloverleaf, with Sonny Ono hopping on the apron. So Dean lets go of the hold and flips Sonny into the ring. Ultimo then charges at Malenko, who back body drops him over the top to the floor for the disqualification. Crowd boos, as they should. Yep. I told you guys it was still a rule. I know. It's a, is it only a rule in cruiserweight matches, or is it just still only a rule? When, when they want guy, it to be. Yeah, or when one guy, he's like, I have eight belts, I'm not looking at the lights, and you're not going to put the belt on me. How about we find a way out of this? And they pick the laziest way possible. When somebody just could have gotten heat by cheating and getting caught or using a chair. After. I mean, Sonny Ono's right there. Yeah. He's right there. He truly is right there. And he also got pulled into the ring. Where a manager's not supposed to be. Did he get pulled? Yeah, he got pulled in over the top rope yep. into the ring, didn't he? Mm-hmm. See, that should just be a DQ right there. <laughs> Dean, Dean threw one over the rope over into the, the over the rope into the ring is a disqualification. <laughs> uh-huh. Reverse, um, it's a reverse uh, Royal Rumble where it's, it's all a, on the it's all on the floor and you have to put the guy into the ring. It's not a disqualification; <laughs> it's a qualification. <laughs> WCW Saturday Night, six oh five p.m. Eastern, TBS. Ooh, can't wait to hear the lineup for that show. Faces of Fear take on Cyclope and Galaxy. Ooh. TV champ Lord Steven Regal defends his belt against D. Malenko. Okay. Taskmaster and Chris Jericho in action. Mm-hmm. Aaron Anderson faces Bunkhouse Buck. Fuck, He's still around? Bunkhouse is back. Jeff Jarrett battles Mike Eno. Ooh, wasn't he a Beverly? And a match from the NWO. Don't miss it. So it could be funny if... Saturday night shows up and there's like one guy from the NWO that just walks out and lights a match and then walks <laughs> off. So we recently saw our last Arn match that we'll probably cover, but he is still around on television. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's like, just the last singles match single that we, match yeah. we, we were ever going to we'll be covering. Yeah. yeah. But Bunk to Bunk. Yeah. Bunkhouse Buck. Yeah, I thought. Really to the stars we by this point. Yeah. I mean, he's lucky he got fucking like four pay-per-view matches out of the natural oh, i'm just waiting for that you know william regal brings him in under his wing and you've got you know sir bunkhouse of bunkington buford or whatever <laughs> yeah Bu- buford yeah buford bunkhouse so this is the first mention of the tv title since johnny b bad had left wcw oh, oh yeah uh, and- as lex luger had wanted off of bad before he left Totally and then Regal had won it from Luger on an episode of WCW Saturday Night. And that's why it's worth watching. Yeah, and also Dean Malenko has a belt. Is his belt not on the... Regal doesn't qualify for Cruiserweight. I guess yeah. you're right, yeah. He's over 205. I think, they actually, I think yes. they actually had <laughs> less than that back really? then. We then go to a video package from the past week where we see during a match between Harlem Heat in the amazing French Canadians, Sherry is in the ring while the competitors brawl on the floor. 
Stevie Ray chases Colonel Parker, who now with the Canadians, into the ring before Sister Sherry takes a swing at him. Honeymoon's over. That's right. To the Colonel Ducks, it was pretty good timing. But we go to our third match. The amazing French-Canadians of Jacques Rougeau and Carl Hewlett with Colonel Robert Parker versus the American males of Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Scotty Riggs. I'm always happy to see a, a Rougeau. Yes. So the last time we saw Rougeau was at Royal Rumble 94, episode 110. Damn, that's been longer than I thought. Yeah, same. Oulette as Jean-Pierre Lafitte at In Your House 3, episode 167. And Scotty Riggs at World War Three ninety-five, episode 173. Hmm. So it's been a while for all three of them. We see Parker is now in a French Foreign Legion outfit. Pretty when, fun. Pretty when fun. Jacques would take the mic to tell all the hillbillies to join them for Oh Canada. You did such a better job. They really yeah. kind of blow out mic I mean, out. There's a reason they're wrestlers. And yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no. Don't have recording equipment. Tanae then reminds us I mean that the American males were tag team champs, like Shane did last week. Exactly. Which they have been in '95, but we never actually saw that title change because it was amongst all the random Harlem Heat title changes that we never saw. Yeah, they're just hot potato in that thing. Oh, and let's also point out that just award-winning, over-the-top style music of the American males. American males. American males. Yeah, it sounds like something out of Revenge of the Nerds. That's a like, good thing. Oh, it it is a good thing. Okay, just making sure. Like Revenge of the Nerds was great, but this was just a horrible no, yeah. ripoff of it. Yeah, but I mean, for a wrestling song, it's pretty good. Yeah, we haven't had any new bangers in a while. I mean, we just had you know you want me last week. <sighs> for some reason, American Males is better. I think the you know you want me one would work better for the American Males. Uh-huh. Honestly. But so would Sonny, probably. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so we get a drop kick by Backwell to both Canadians to start us off before a double team clothesline to Carl, followed by a double back body drop to Rougeau, forcing the Canadians to the floor to regroup. Jacques shows he can do some kip ups before challenging Scotty to do the same, only to hit him with a cheap shot to gain control. Love to see it. I'm just so happy to see you. Rougeau. Yeah. I, and he's still in... What what a professional. I totally forgot about the amazing French Canadians. And as the name was mentioned, I was trying to remind myself, who the hell are these guys? Who is it going to be? And then all of a sudden, there's old Jacques Rougeau on my screen. And it's like my heart yeah. melted because I forgot how much I liked seeing him on my TV. And he's just a fucking such a solid wrestler. Mm-hmm. They run the ropes with Scotty hitting a monkey flip. Before they run the ropes again with Rajo attempting to do the same, only for Riggs to nail a falling fist instead. I mean, this is the kind of stuff you like to see in a tag match. Scotty leapfrogs Jacques on another whip, only for him to collide with Marcus, who had jumped in the ring for no reason other than to continue the storyline of the American Mel's having issues lately, Uh-oh. which Tanay tells us about. I mean, they're just, uh, they're not, they're not synced up. They're not a, they don't have, uh, the... The years underneath him, like Rougeau and, and Carl. 
Or maybe they're just more American than they realize. Falling apart at the seams. Uh-huh. Just running everything head first. Riggs is whipped to the ropes again with Ulet nailing him in the back from the apron, followed by a jumping back elbow from Rougeau. The Canadians double-team Scotty with stereo boots to the gut and tossing him down to the mat before Carl is body-slammed onto him by Jacques. They continue with a running clothesline, leg-sweep combo, followed by a double-team hot shot across the top rope. Rougeau then holds Riggs with Ulet going for a big right hand, but Scotty ducks, causing Jacques to take the blow and allowing Riggs to make the crawl for the hot tag. Right hands, body slams, clotheslines, drop kicks, and back body drops by Bagwell to both Canadians, followed by a double noggin knocker. Marcus would then whip Rougeau to the ropes, but telegraphs a back body drop, allowing Jacques to backflip over, only for Scotty to rejoin the fray, delivering a jumping knee to the back of Rougeau's head, which ends up sending him headfirst into Bagwell, knocking them both down. And the ref works to get Riggs out of the ring, while Carl rolls Jacques on top of Marcus for the pin and, and the win. Post match, the American males aren't too happy, and they argue for a little bit there in the ring. I mean, it's taking me back to the, you know, when rockers were having their issues. Like, one gets distracted, flirting with the girl at ringside, the other one gets pinned. Fingers get pointed. Start barbershop in these yeah. guys. Yeah. Future. But I mean, yeah, this is a very nice TV tag that makes complete sense. And further, it looks further some storylines. Yeah. yeah. And God, yeah. God bless Jock Rougeau. They got Booty Man in WW or WCW still. He can always have right. some sort of a, a talk show segment just to bring these two together. Mike Tanay tells us everyone to go check out WCWWrestling.com. Oh my God, these screenshots. Incredible. It's their their site on the World Wide Web. It's like on an Apple II. So I guess the NWO had recently vandalized the site. Oh, oh. spray paint? But they had regained control. And it's back up to snuff. So get your Is latest news N- and yeah. interviews. Is that what NWO uploaded? S- snuff videos? Probably. Probably. <laughs> uh, from, yeah, quick time videos of them spray painting things. We then go to our fourth match. Hugh Morris versus Lex Luger. And the laughing man body slams the total package as we go to split screen to hear from Arn Anderson. Double A says that Luger almost broke me in half at Halloween Havoc. And you might think you broke my will, that he won't be back. But I've got a shot to get back at you the night after World War III. And if I knock you out, or you knock me out, it just makes the odds better for either one of us. The night after, just put on World War Three. They're in the Rumble, man. I know. There's no way he's the worst wrestler that'll be on the show. And we get back to the action where Morris had continued to work over Lex with hip tosses and right hands, only for Luger to sidestep a charge into a corner. Lex would telegraph a back body drop, allowing the laughing man to hit a vertical suplex. But Luger no-sells and is back to his feet to deliver a suplex and a hip toss of his own. Lex with a shoulder block to send Morris to a corner, but the Laughing Man pulls Luger into the turnbuckle to slow the momentum. And Morris hits an avalanche splash in a corner. Several kicks, chokes, and a back elbow. He goes for another avalanche splash, only for Lex to avoid this time. Luger fires up with multiple running forearms, a leaping back elbow, 
and whips the laughing man to a corner. But he charges into a back elbow. Morris then clotheslines Lex down to the mat before heading up top for a splash. But Luger moves, followed by picking the laughing man up into the torture rack for the submission and, and the win. win. Post-match, Lex kind of looked upset that he didn't get to keep Morris in the rack longer. Like, was that was that what his issue was? I, I think so. I mean, I mean he's, he's on a mean streak. There's, yeah. I said Lex has won like three single matches in a row or whatever. It's got to prove they still has it. They're building him up. But, I mean, you know, he's, he's been Lex. around for eight years and he gets built up and then... Fucks it up. And then, and then yeah, it's, it's not, probably not always his fault, but they don't... They don't pull the trigger. Mean Gene Okerlund comes out to interview Luger in the ring. And Gene talks about Lex's terror in the ring. Winning week in and week out. Before Luger responds that at World War III, it's not one-on-one. There's 60 men in the ring. And Okerlund starts to ask another question. When Sting would climb over the guardrail and enter the ring. With that bat, that makeup... The stinger would point his baseball bat at Luger, shoving him into a corner with it before just handing it to him and leaving back through the crowd. Bum, bum, bum. Lex is confused at what just happened. What does it all mean? I mean, is, he, is it a uh, olive bat? Sorry, that was a really bad joke. But yeah, is he, does he want him to come, come, come outside of WCW and WO? Is it one of those Come with like, me. signs thing where it's uh-huh. him telling him to swing away or yeah. what is it? What does it mean? Or is it, you know, him dropping a horse head in his bed? Mm-hmm. It's hour number two. So we get Pyro, Ooh. Eric Bischoff, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. There's the man. And Eric sends us to last week's WCW Saturday night where Tony Schiavone would conduct a meeting between Nick Patrick, his lawyer, Teddy Long, and Chris Jericho. And Teddy says that Patrick continues to rob Chris of wins every week on Nitro before going after the lawyer, asking if his firm is called Dewey Cheatham and How. <laughs> it's like the Fultus joke in the book. Oh my god. Long then says something about Jericho being able to beat Nick with one arm tied behind his back any day of the week. And the lawyer likes that idea, so we got another match set for World War Three. Chris Jericho with one arm match. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Also, why does Jericho need Teddy Long to talk for him? I have no idea. <laughs> it's no like, clue. did they just not trust Jericho to do his own promos here? I guess maybe it's one. It's still one of those things. Like every he only needs a manager. I mean, but Jericho heel? Jericho's the face. Yeah, I know. It's like he's not really <laughs> the heel. He's just a heel in real life, <laughs> but. So we go to our fifth match, Johnny Grunge versus Lionheart, Chris Jericho. And we haven't seen Grunge since Bash at the Beach 96, episode 208. Well, here he is. And Nick Patrick comes out to get a closer look at the match, while Lionheart hits a hip toss, a body slam, and a spinning heel kick for a two count. Grunge retaliates with a back suplex and a turnbuckle smash before a reverse whip sends Johnny to a corner. Jericho charges in, only to be backdropped over the ropes to the apron, where the two trade strikes before Lionheart can deliver a few turnbuckle smashes of his own, followed by a moonsault 
only for Grunge to move. But Jericho lands on his feet, so Johnny nails him with a clothesline. Grunge does some dancing before telegraphing a back body drop. So Lionheart goes for a sunset flip. But Johnny just drops down with his knees on the shoulders for a near fall. Jericho runs the ropes to hit a spinning heel kick that sends Grunge out to the floor, and he follows out with a springboard dropkick, which frustrates Johnny, so he grabs a chair. Lionheart slides under Grunge on the apron, yanking him down, causing him to hit his head on the apron. And around this time, Eric Bischoff accidentally calls Chris Jericho Jeff Jarrett, which I thought was very funny. Back in the ring, Johnny catches Jericho with a hot shot across the top rope before sitting him in the chair for a running clothesline. He's even stealing moves from Sabu. Grunge sets up a table inside the ring, laying Lionheart on it before going up top with chair in hand. And Johnny leaps off, only for Jericho to move, sending Grunge crashing through the table. Lionheart then heads up top to deliver a missile dropkick for the pin. And And the win. This grunge guy can't do a goddamn thing without a table. No. Imagine that. Yeah. Wrestler afraid of wrestling. Post-match, Mean Gene catches up with Jericho in the aisleway to ask him about the challenge for this next weekend. When Teddy Long would come out to interrupt to apologize to Lionheart that his mouth may have gotten Jericho in trouble. But Lionheart just tells him that it's the only way that Patrick would ever get into the ring with him. Which is probably true. But I'm still trying to figure out if Teddy's going to pull a swerve. Is he setting him up for like an attack by... Setting him up for a tag team Craig match with Pittman. Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> Hollywood Hogan, Ted DiBiase, Vincent, and Miss Elizabeth make their way out to the announce table. And Heenan bails before Hulk takes the mic to demand that Bischoff tell the world that he's a bigger icon than Piper. That he's scared to death of Hogan, and that he's a hundred times richer than Roddy. And Eric says he disagrees, but he'll say whatever Hollywood wants. And after he does all this, the NWO leaves, as Bischoff sends it to Oakland. And DDP joins Mean Gene on the stage area to reiterate that he refused to join the NWO. Hall, Nash, Giant, and Six then make their way out to tell Paige that he just doesn't get it. Do you get it? I don't get it. Do you get it? No, I don't get the NWO. He just doesn't get it. Before everyone just leaves. Yeah, it's like these guys are big and bad and they beat everybody down, but DDP can just stand two feet from him and just be like, nah, I don't want to be in your team and they don't beat him down. Yeah. I thought they were a gang. The NWO was a gang more than they were anything. Tagging people. Beating people up out back coming in through the ring because they're not even signed to the WCW. Lawn darting people into the side of a trailer. Yeah. Actually, you want to know what made me spend the most time trying to figure out in this entire segment? Hmm. Why was Miss Elizabeth with the NWO? I was trying to think that, or trying to figure that out too. I literally last time we saw her... She was helping... Like Randy. Randy. Maybe it was all just... But I literally... And looked, then she'd been hanging out with... I literally looked back and woman. supposedly... Yeah. <laughs> It was before that match that she had joined the NWO. Okay, so it was one of the things where she's like, oh, well, there's just history with Randy. But it's like, well, why be confusing? But, like, we had... That's I mean, where she Obviously, she hadn't come out with the NWO at any point until this point. And it was so... I was just like, wait, what, what is going on? Yeah. 
And it didn't really make a whole lot of sense in that match if she was in WO. Yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah. it's like, so I just kind of like, after trying to figure it out, I didn't really have a good answer. Yeah, because she got spray painted last time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're headed to our sixth match. Bobby Eaton yeah. versus Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. I mean, come on. On paper, don't we all want to see this? Mm-hmm. So last time we saw Bobby was at Slamboree 96, episode 201. Earl Robert of Eaton. Episode what? 201. Oh. Uh, I just said okay. it weird. Yeah, yeah, I heard I was like, yeah, for some reason I heard a number lower than that. We never see Bobby Eaton enough. So Mike Tanay and the Brain rejoin the commentator booth while Double J struts to start. But Bobby retaliates with right hands and has a whip reversed, allowing Jared to hit an atomic drop and a big right hand that sends Eaton out to the floor. Double J's dragged out and ran into a guardrail, but Jarrett responds by dropping Bobby across the steel and running him into a ring post. Posted. Unfortunately, posted. Back in the ring, Double J with a straddle across the ropes and a suplex before locking on the figure four for the submission and the win. That was fast. Ric Flair makes his way out to the ring and he has his arm in a sling. When Okerlund would also join them. And then Nick Patrick comes out and challenges him to a match. <laughs> mean Gene asks Jared about his match with the Giant from a few weeks ago. But Double J starts talking about the horsemen, putting their differences aside. And Gene shows us some footage from last week's Nitro. When Sting would come into the ring to deliver a scorpion death drop to Jared before asking about dissension in WCW. And Double J would say he will chop the Giant down to win World War III before bringing Flair in to tell the world that Jarrett is good to go and that Dr. Jim has fixed him up. Nature Boy continues telling the rest of the horsemen as Sting looks on from somewhere. I assume the rafters. Yeah, it's such a good cut, though. And he doesn't say anything, and it just, like... Like, of all the things that... All the NWO stuff, none of it feels very, like, real... But the Sting thing, even though he's wearing stupid makeup, him in the rafters feels more real mm-hmm. somehow. I mean, it's, a lot of it has to do with camera having to zoom in up to the rafters or wherever he is, or him not playing to the camera, and just like... Finally given the fuck you expression yeah. that you wanted to see him do while he was having to stand there and be the over-the-top, happy-go-lucky baby face... Mm-hmm. Shaking maybe this is and... where Sting, uh, you know, maybe he deviated his septum and switched to downers. Yeah, that could be. He's just chilling in the rafters. Higher than a kite. Got a little flask in his back pocket. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't shouldn't be casting aspersions on the stinger. But the Nature Boy tells the rest of the horsemen that Double J gets his full endorsement. So basically, Benoit and Mongo had been like, why is this guy with us? He's not a horseman, but Flair was giving him his full endorsement. I mean, like, a, if for some reason we weren't doing a horseman thing at the moment, if that wasn't going on, like, and Ric Flair's not going to be in the title picture, picture for real, him and Jeff Jarrett doing a tag team would be a wonderful thing to see. As far as, like, entertaining and both, guy can, both guys can promo... Both guys can work. I could see them being a very entertaining tag team champion for a year and running some cool programs. You know what else they can do? Strut. They can strut yep. as we head to commercial. I mean, who's the second best at strutting? 
Probably Jeff Jarrett. Brutus. <laughs> and Stop we co- right there. <laughs> we come back from commercial to hear from Lee Marshall, who is in Norfolk, Virginia, where he hypes up World War Three. And 1-800-C-O-L-L-E-C-T. Good days, good days. 1-800-COLLECT, 1-800-CALL-A-T-T, 1-800-10-10-2-20. Yeah. Oh, collect calls. How great of a time was that? So we go to our seventh match. Big Bubba with Jimmy Hart. Versus Jim Powers. When did we see Jim Powers last, Matt? Nitro on July 8th, episode 209. Not too long ago. Don't remember it. He faced, he Flair? faced Flair at the Orlando uh, outside Oh, when, show. Uh, like, right after NWO popped up and mm-hmm. they kept... Yeah, okay. I remember that show. So Bubba takes control early on, but he misses a charge into a corner, allowing Jim to work the arm. And Tanae asks Bischoff about the Roddy Piper situation, with him explaining that they have been trying to get a hold of him to sign a contract, but he's been unable to do so, so far. Powers nails a crossbody for a two-count, but Big Bubba retaliates with a big right hand and a clothesline before hitting the boss man straddle, followed by sliding out to the floor to nail another right hand. Bubba continues the punishment with more strikes and insiguri and headlocks, but he runs into a big boot, allowing Jim to fire up with some turnbuckle smashes, a shot to the gut, and a knee lift. Powers goes for a whip, but it's reversed, with Big Bubba catching Jim for the Bubba Slam, for the pin, and, and the, the win. win. I had high hopes for you, Jim. I was hoping Sorry. you were going to power up out of that. Yeah. Sorry about your damn luck. Sorry about you. So we're headed to our eighth match. Here we go. The Crippler. Chris Benoit with woman versus Eddie Guerrero. I mean, yeah, pyro for Eddie. Eddie walks right in and shoves Benoit before the match starts, where Guerrero takes the crippler down with a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker. Benoit looks to return the favor, only for Eddie to block, so the crippler nails a monkey flip. But Guerrero lands on his feet and charges right into Benoit, locking on the crippler crossface, forcing Eddie to make the ropes. And these guys are moving so fast it's crazy i mean obviously there's their friends and they have great chemistry but they're moving at inhuman speeds here <laughs> probably because they actually can whereas a lot of other guys it's like yeah we could do the same sequence but they're doing it like twice the speed impressive we go to split screen to hear from the taskmaster where he explains the history between the dungeon and the horseman still saying the benoit is not a horseman. And while we're listening to him, Guerrero has taken control with chops and a back elbow before delivering a slingshot senton from the apron. The crippler fires up with suplexes, slaps, and arm drags before working the back of Eddie with various holds until Guerrero counters a powerbomb attempt into a sunset flip for a two count. The two men trade strikes as we head to commercial, but when we return, Guerrero is taking Benoit down with a head scissors. But the Crippler comes right back with a press slam for a near fall. We get a rubber band slam by Benoit before going for a turnbuckle smash. Only for Eddie to reverse and head up top. But the Crippler meets him there for a superplex for a two count. That both men sell. Benoit with chops and a pop-up powerbomb attempt. But Grell reverses it into a Hurricanrana that takes them both out of the ring. Yeah, it's like... 
sometimes a Hurricane Rana looks like a Frankensteiner. Sometimes a Frankensteiner looks like a Hurricane Rana. And this one's like right in the middle. <laughs> and more impressive than the sloppy head scissors or the sloppy <laughs> Frankensteiner. They trade strikes on the floor with Eddie gaining an advantage until Wubbin steps in the way, allowing the Crippler to nail a cheap shot. Guerrero's rolled in, who then rolls up Benoit as he enters the ring for an airfall, followed by a back suplex, and he heads up top. Eddie goes for the frog splash, but he sees the Crippler move, so he rolls through and delivers another Hurricanrana, only for Benoit to roll through on it for the sunset flip for the pin and, and the win. win. Yeah. I mean, this is great shit. Mm-hmm. Like, both of these guys make each other look great and then you think about the future the past now but and it kind of hurts because it's like ah, they loved each other so much and one created maybe did the most evil thing you could possibly do mm-hmm. we come back from commercial and eric bischoff is in the ring and he apologizes for what hogan made him do earlier and he's trying his best to make sure that piper signs his contract to face hollywood all of a sudden, bagpipe music hits, and out walks Rowdy, Roddy Piper. Roddy, Roddy. With Eric not looking very happy to see him. Roddy takes a mic and says he's here to tell some truth, because he's never heard more lies in his life than when he was telling them. Piper continues by calling Bischoff a liar, asking him about if he had had a nice flight to Portland. If the path to his ranch is straight or crooked, before grabbing to call him a little piece of poop. <laughs> piece of poop, so funny. With Eric looking guilty the entire time. All of a sudden, the Giant and the rest of the NWO run out and grab Roddy. When Hulk would come into the ring and hug Bischoff. Uh-oh. Ooh. Hogan reminds everybody that Eric runs WCW, and now he works for the NWO before calling Piper a coward and saying he was a nobody before he fought Hulk. And of course, our waxed, covered Coca-Cola cups are flying into the ring. A bunch of policemen have now come down to restrain Roddy as the NWO leaves to the back. Piper takes a mic to say he'll be at World War III with the contract for the match in his teeth. No surrender, no retreat, Kiss my butt, Hogan, as we fade to black. I really love that he quotes LL Cool J, and it's also funny that LL Cool J had a rap about Roddy Piper. (laughs) So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Nitro from November 18th, 1996? It's peppered with a lot of influential wrestling that, that, like as far as, modern wrestling style goes with your couple cruiserweight matches at the beginning and then Eddie and uh, Chris uh, some of these interactions in these matches feel like they're straight out of uh, Dynamite or a New Japan show doing doing big things uh, quickly and mostly cleanly that was a big takeaway for me outside of that the show's pretty fun I don't know where to begin on it. Uh, <laughs> it's 
it's not terrible, but it's not really that good either. Um, I wouldn't go out of your way. Yeah, like, I'm trying to think of even, like, some hot spots from it. It was fun seeing the American, or the amazing French Canadians. Absolutely. I forgot that yeah. they had a little stint in WCW. I think that was a great television uh, tag match. Eddie and, and Benoit are great, as usual. I don't understand the need for Johnny Grunge and Jericho, or Jericho and Nick Pat. I guess I get the Nick Patrick thing, but like we were saying before, the Jericho, Teddy Long, I feel like Bobby Eaton is just wasted for that whole Jarrett match, and then that one. I mean, he's, a, he's a jobber to the stars. I know, yeah. I know. It just hurts a little. Yeah, because he's crazy. He's he's, he's beautiful, he's Bobby. Yeah. Beautiful Bobby. He's but Sir Robert of Eaton. So, I will say that the reveal yeah. is underwhelming and probably could have been done better. Yeah. That's my biggest takeaway outside of the actual wrestling on the right. show. Is that like this sh- moment should feel bigger than it does. It's it, a it lot just, of the NWO is big and tough, but they don't really do anything. I mean, in the moment, in 96, it would have been considered a big moment. Like, it yeah. like it's a huge deal. Obviously... Us now, we know that Bischoff was is a part was part of the NWO the entire time. Yeah, and so it it loses a little bit of its guster. But there's like a way they could have done it better, where oh, like well, Piper yeah. comes out and like Hogan's like Burr, and like siding with Piper or whatever, and then him and Hogan lock eyes, look at each other, both big smile, huge embrace, and then like it's just a obviously a simpler way to make this like pop more and be more picturesque and better for packages because it just kind of feels like it's obviously a big reveal but it feels like they didn't this was like the first draft of how to reveal it when they could have when they should have at least got to the third because it's all right there there's only a few ways you can do it and i feel like they picked the laziest way but i totally understand i mean it, it works crowd throws trash so, my thoughts, luckily there's no NWO matches, mm-hmm. which is a good thing because that means we actually got good wrestling matches on this show. Yes. But, the show still ends up being all about the NWO. And, looking back on it, if this is the show that you're trying to sell everyone to be like, hey, buy our pay-per-view this weekend, it is a terrible go-home show. Yeah. Yeah, the reveal is all you have, and they phoned it in. You, you, well, you literally have, so Lion, like, I mean, I guess if you'd watched Saturday Night, you already know about the Lionheart, Nick Patrick thing. So, but other than that, like, the only other thing that you get out of this show is that Piper and Hogan are going to have a contract signing. If you're buying a pay-per-view to watch Piper and Hogan have a contract signing, you're crazier than us for watching all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's like no, that if they if they need to have the match, what they should have maybe done is uh, saved him Bischoff, like turning for the contract signing, or just I mean, put the contract signing on this and say that it's at the next pay per view, even if it's far away. That, but that you can you can sense. still like yeah. you know you, you are you are correct. There are better ways of doing this, doling out the information, and as we'll see as we go. There's always better ways of doing these things. 
WCW doesn't always do the better way of doing these things. Yeah, it's like, oh, we have a really good idea, and they're like, okay, well, we'll do the idea, but, like, nobody gets into the minutia of how to make... Exactly how to do it. Yeah, it's like, if you're gonna... Yeah, it's like... The, like, lem- the lemon the, is ripe, but like, we didn't juice it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we just, exactly. We we're just like, like, oh, it's done now. The end product is a good idea, but how do we get from A to B? Yeah, like, there's you got to figure out that. Yeah, it's uh, it, it did seem one of the, it's. I mean, obviously, not every reveal in wrestling. Most reveals in wrestling don't elicit big reactions. This elicits a big reaction, and they didn't even. Try. Yeah. They didn't even play into it. They're just like, oh, we'll just do it. And it's like, we'll just hug. Yeah. It's like Hogan should know from doing the angle with Macho that was done so well for so long, like, at least picked up a little bit of how to do these things. Because obviously, what he says goes. And Eric doesn't come from wrestling, but Hogan couldn't have just forgot. Why the Mega Powers was important. But maybe he doesn't care, and that's the biggest sin. Good, Where, where's the smart marks at? Alright, fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. So what are some of the best moments on this show? I mean, I already said there was some great wrestling on yeah, this show. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. I popped for uh, Bobby and then cried for him quickly after. <laughs> the Benoit and Eddie, like... Totally blew my mind because this looks like what like everybody's been doing and trying to do for the last 25, 30 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, yep. for real. It's like this is the style of wrestling that... Uh, the you know, future of yeah, wrestling. Like, this is the stuff that people got excited about ROH for. This is the stuff that, like, where... Most everybody that's wrestling in AEW now, like this is the shit that they're they want to do and are trying to do all the time, and that they are doing uh, all the time. And it's uh, just it was, this was a moment where I was like, "Damn! Like this is the future of wrestling right here." And I know it's not the ground zero moment, but like this is the first match that we've seen recently that's not in Japan, which is still slightly different. Where I was like, this is like a blueprint for modern wrestling. Mm-hmm. I already mentioned the amazing French Canadians. I, lo- I love that. I loved Ulet PCO, whatever you yeah. want to call him. He's been doing this spot forever, but like literally, they body slam the opponent, and then he has his partner body slam on. him onto him. Yeah, I always love that spot, no mm-hmm. matter who he's doing it with. Yeah, and that was one where I was like, oh. He has been doing this forever. Because it's, it's, it's always like the smaller guy body slamming him who's a yeah. bigger guy. Yeah, he's built like a bowling ball. It's it's not... A fire put. Braun that body slams Ricochet or whatever yeah, yeah. onto... It's like, cool, but like it'd be much cooler if Ricochet was body slamming Braun onto someone. And making it look convincing, which would be hard to yeah. do with Braun Strowman. But like, I guess the these war, guys are... The yeah. War Raiders do yeah. that spot where the bigger guy is the one that gets body slammed. Yeah, and that's like I the right size. Still do that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I haven't really paid attention to any of their matches yeah. since they went all biking. One, one thing When's I, the last time we yeah. saw him? I guess it's been a while <laughs> since we've seen uh, Rajo and he's been around forever, but he seems just a lot more like animated in the ring. Like He was... Healing it up 
real well. And uh, not that he couldn't, but maybe it's just because I haven't seen him in a while, or maybe it's because some of his older shows are not shot in as high quality because you well, know he doesn't equipment have to be a fake mounting or un, not a mounting. Yeah, he can just be the amazing French Canadian that he. Yeah, it's always just a, has been a, a role that yeah, it's just a role that he like is taking on. Literally, born well. to play. Yeah, it's like oh no, these guys are great. How about most disappointing? Hour two, with the exception of Benoit and Guerrero. Honestly, I I didn't really enjoy anything with the NWO on this episode. There just wasn't. They didn't have the juice. Yeah, they didn't have any standout moments. They had the other bullying thing at the very beginning, and then their whatever it was with Diamond Dallas Page. I mean, that whole that whole segment was just weird. Yeah, like, like I know you you got to get them on there, but like like you said earlier, like there's Hall, Nash, Giant, and Six standing there making fun of DDP, and then they just all just kind of like, yeah. all right, we're good. And, 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 they look like, and they look like the nerds afterwards. Yep. Because yeah. they didn't, like, push him or they hit him anything. or anything. They just, like, he doesn't know. Of course not. He's not in the NWO. Mm-mm. He hates you guys. I'm with him. I think the best thing the NWO did was, I mean, outside of the reveal, which we talked about, but the uh, that match should have started... At the like in progress, and they should have shown them breaking it up instead of like just starting the show with them already like beating everybody down with it. It's like oh, if they it's like we start our show in progress of like this match or whatever, and then the NWO comes in, so it's like a little less confusing because Shane was Shane and I both I did the same thing where I was like, did I accidentally click forward or something? <laughs> like yeah, it was just it's like I get what they were going for, but there's a better way to do it. So you guys rewound, but if you were watching live, would you go, oh man, maybe I need to make sure I'm here on time, just like start watching a few minutes early? No, because it wasn't anybody important that they beat up. They beat up the nasty boys. So then what would be the point of like even showing you part of the match? Just because it's exciting for it to get interrupted and then get hit with chairs, I guess. Because it was I mean, more, either way. when it started, yeah, I wanted to see, did I miss something? And then I was trying to figure out who's in the ring, and then once I realized who was in the ring, then it was just like, this is pointless in the first place, because high velocity, I don't really remember much about high them. High voltage, sir. High voltage, whatever. Forgot high velocity stole was a show. the Hardy Boys. But yeah, they aren't a team that I really remember, and I don't think they had much exposure at this yeah. point. Nasty boys. Don't remember Robbie Rage and Kenny Chaos? Come on, man. I will, I will say man. I would prefer that it starts like this than them interrupting Hoovitude and Laparca. Yeah, I do well, agree about that. You know, Inter- interrupt you know, so. Jericho and no, no, no. What's his face? Big Bubba and Jim Powers. Or that. Yeah. Yeah. That's who you interrupt. Well, you just cut that match and then you start it with halfway through or the that, tag match. That thing. works too. Because like it's like oh yeah, well they're not going to like, be down. Literally, Big Bubba. I was like literally after the match was over, I was like, why was this match on this show? Mm-hmm. It did nothing. Because every show needs a bathroom break. I mean, I mean, you had a that's whole what other... Bobby Eaton and Jeff Jarrett was for. Yeah, but Ric Flair came. Yeah, out. Flair came out, and then people would have been pissed off that they missed Flair. I mean, they were in the bathroom. They're a perfect it's... place to piss. <laughs> <laughs> How about best performer of the night? Tony Schiavone. Yeah, Tony was good. Uh... I don't know if I can ever give it to Tony, <laughs> and I don't dislike Tony. I mean, I really. 
I don't know how I feel about because like Gro does the frog splash, but he, he realizes in midair the bin wall's moved, so he rolls through. And I know a lot of people have issues when people do stuff like that because they're like, how would you? You you yeah. wouldn't know that they were going to move unless you know that they're going to move. Yeah. Like it it kind of shows off the choreography kind of, of what wrestling is. Modern wrestling. Yeah. So it's like, wh- I mean, what are y'all's thoughts on that kind of thing? Like, it's like, does, I it, wanna, does it bother you at all? Or is it, I mean, it, it kind of depends on how it looks, who's in the match, if the match matters. It's kind of one of those things where like when Stone Cold mud stomps a hole in somebody, it's like, it's cool because it's Stone Cold Steve Austin and he's over. But if anybody else did it, we'd be like, well, who is this guy? This looks like shit. It's stupid. Yeah. And these guys have a chemistry. So that's helpful. Also, I feel like if you're going to do that spot, the other guy moving moving quickly, where the other guy's like about to jump and he can correct for it instead of it trying to be as smooth, wasn't that cool, but it's impossible to maybe changing that a little bit where that guy just gets up too quick and you're kind of in it too deep so how do you get down he's going to come up to you well you just jump over him and roll because you're very athletic and then now you're behind him or whatever yeah certainly- but it's a yeah which i assume that's kind of the idea for it but when it's too smooth it's too smooth it's the ricochet will osprey from years ago where it's like yeah that was obviously very impressive but was it wrestling it's like well it happened in a wrestling ring so it is wrestling but was it compelling or was it just cool? Yeah. And I prefer compelling, but there's room cool. for there's there's, room, there's, room, there's, there's room totally for room cool. for cool and it's just kind of a personal Yeah, by, thing. by no yeah. means was I like saying no, that, I know you that, weren't. that yeah. spot was bad. Yeah. I was just bringing up a No, no. no I mean it's an interesting con- conversation. Com- an interesting conversation cuz I feel that way uh, all the time and it's like sometimes I'm okay with it and sometimes I'm not and that's okay but I don't even know exactly. Sometimes I'm I like, mean, if you think about I'm it, like, like ah, come on. And sometimes I'm like, oh, that was great. And I'm like, well, what's the difference? And it's you like, know, well, because I guess I cared. That's why. Like, just take thinking of it as like another step. We all know Bret Hart's five five moves. I'm not calling five moves of doom. Yeah. We know Hogan's five moves of doom. You know, we know Cena's five. Like, they do these moves in an order because they've now trained the audience to know. That this is what we're going to do, yeah, do to this, lead to lead up and to it's, so it's Jake's so even, uh, short arm clothesline sets exactly. up the DDT. So I mean, it's it's one of those things like so even even back then stuff was choreographed to a point. The big, the big spots, the big spots, yeah. But it's what helps build audience like kind of being in on the idea of what's about to happen, so they can get excited and, and ready for it. I mean, yeah. It's the thing that, like, the reason that we're big New Japan fans is, like, these feuds are, they're not, it's it's all essentially in the ring. This guy couldn't mm-hmm. best this guy, so he, like, I think the one of the last, like, huge pops that I had was a few years ago, Naito did the Stardust Press. I wasn't even yeah. watching originally, but I was aware of that spot, and when, and when it happened we kind of shit our pants a little bit and it's one of those things like you're trained and when people take advantage of that in an interesting way it's interesting and then when they just go through the motions 
you kind of roll your eyes and you're like, come on, man, aren't you trying to get us excited? Yeah. And uh, it's, yeah, it's a, a weird give and take for sure. How about most surprising? What you're, what they're wanting us is the Bischoff term. I mean, yeah. that that is... I knew it was coming. But we all know it's coming. We all coming. know the history of NWO. Yeah. But if we're watching it in the moment, that is the big surprise of the show. Yeah. And it's that is the reason why a lot of people rate this show so highly. Yeah. And the biggest... What's funny is, like, that's the biggest surprise, but it's also my biggest disappointment because I feel like I did it poorly. But since I knew it was coming, not exactly that I know it was coming on yeah. this show... But I had an inkling because it's NWO time, baby. Laparco being on the show and it being his first WCW match mm-hmm. was a Absolutely. was definitely a surprise because I was like, oh yeah, like I know. First time I ever saw Laparco was uh, a Nintendo sixty four game at my cousin's house, and uh, so I knew what he looked like and what his name was. And I've of course seen him since then, but you know, seeing him here having his first WCW match is uh, neat. Same with guys like. Psychosis and stuff like because there's so many characters in yeah. those games that you know you remember the ones that had cool outfits because you would play with them. And Laparca, definitely one of those guys. His costume is uh, so funny on this show too. It's like how how are you wrestling in that? He's just got like car- like Halloween plastic eyeballs on his chest and yeah. stuff, and he looks cool. It's, it's impressive. Like Over the top version of the. Skeleton costumes that they wear in Karate Kid. Oh, yeah. Most surprising for me... I mean, I've named them a couple times already. We'll throw them as a surprise, too. The Amazing French Canadians. Yeah. The fact that Bunkhouse Buck is still around. Mm. I definitely Uh, popped for that. It was like against Bunkhouse Buck. And I was like, they didn't even change his name. Shivani walking off kind of surprised me. I mean... Yeah. It did, and then it didn't. I don't know if it's a surprise, but I was excited to have Larry, and I think Larry's a great commentator. Also, him making Ed Wood jokes, Shane's yeah. nickname. He called him, yeah, Ed Wood Hogan instead of, or Hollywood Ed Hogan or whatever. Ed yeah. Wood. But he did an Ed Wood thing. It's like, that's funny. I mean, I guess this movie has been out, but it wasn't like a huge hit. And, and Ed Wood was and it's like, yeah, a it's like, years old. Yeah, Larry Zbysko <laughs> knows who Ed Wood is because uh, he's old, and those movies probably play on television because they were cheap to throw on TV when people needed programming. Yeah, because Ed Wood came out in 94. Yeah, I know we talked about it on the show at some point. But it's just nice because I like to think of uh, Larry Zabisco drinking a couple beers at the hotel watching uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space or Glenn or Glenda or maybe hitting the, the local video store and watching... Uh, Johnny Depp wear is it cashmere? Angora Angora sweaters Making their way to the ring It's trivia time 40 questions (laughs) Not going to quite give you that So we both do it and we go back and (laughs) forth using each other's clues to see who can guess first Not the worst idea So this week the category is 20 questions It's 20 Questions, the question and answer program everyone enjoys. We enjoyed it so much. I really didn't know I was about to do 20 Questions. (laughs) And it's... I'm excited, I like this. 
we're back to Michael. Yes. Alright, good. It's gonna get him so another chance. Shit, are we gonna reverse this and it's my turn again and I gotta go through that torture? Mm-hmm. So now you have your oh, options yeah. of one through eleven. Alright, well, three did me well last time. I think I picked three the first time too, and I think it did okay then. I'm gonna go with three. Alright, I got your person. You can ask yes or no questions. With each one, you lose a point. Once you guess the correct answer, you get that many points. Fire away. 93-94. Heavyweight champion in either of the major promotions, WCW slash WWF. No. No. Are they a prominent tag team wrestler? <laughs> yes. Are we talking between yeah, 93 and 94? Yeah, I guess I... So you're gonna get a, you're gonna get an extra clue. I guess 93, 90, up to 93, 94. That would be a no, technically. Correct. Okay. As soon as I said it, I thought of two. I was like, wait. <laughs> Have they worked in both major companies? No. And by major companies, we're not talking ECW because that's barely anything in 93, 94. In 93, 94. Yeah. No. But yeah, ECW is just. Just trying to get going. I mean, I'm torn oh, just because they were fuck. prior. That's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. They have worked in both major companies. Yes. Not between 93 and 94, but just in general. Yes. I forget about that time. Yeah. Hmm. No to major tag team. No to heavyweight champion. And this is why I have someone else help me fact check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have worked in both major companies. Yes. Yes. But at this time, they're probably in one more than the other. I'm feeling Chain's pain. <laughs> I got a good. I got a real good one last time. They didn't. Wait. I asked if they were. If they had worked in both major companies, and so they've stuck to one or the other. Were they a prominent ECW wrestler? No. No. That's what I thought. But look at you remembering the other companies. I know one, the one <laughs> other one. I'm scared that this is like a PN news or something. I'm like, why would I? Why would I ever? I don't know. I mean, we only saw him on like one show, or the like stupid guitar player guy. But I mean, he wasn't a world champion. So. <laughs> sure wasn't. <laughs> but I don't think he went on to be in a major tag team either. Is he a multi? generational wrestler as in a guy that has father or uncle you know is there a lineage no 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 lineage is he ever a horseman no damn we need a lead guys <laughs> the no major tag team between 93 and 94 and then also not a champion and didn't work both major companies back and forth. I'm like, well, probably not Lex. And he wasn't Lex was a horseman, obviously. Probably not Sid. And the no major tag team thing, it's like, well, it's not a member of Doom or a Steiner. And these are the th things I'm eliminating in my head. And I'm like, and that which, which makes me think that it is a Bagwell-esque guy where it's just like, oh, somebody that nobody really thought about at the time. Is it Johnny B. Bad? No. No. That was a pretty good guess, though, right? 
Yeah. Considering all the things. Is that one of your official 20 questions? <laughs> well, no, no, that one's not. I was just looking at Shane, you know, trying to get my brain moving. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a pretty decent I'm trying guess. to keep a dead face, though, so I don't give anything away. <laughs> I don't think you'll give anything away. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm just, uh... Did he uh, drive a pink Cadillac at a WrestleMania? No. <laughs> it's not Diamond House Page. It's not a tug or a quake. Not a heavyweight champion. Wasn't a horseman. It's not Paul Roma. <laughs> Who's the guy that played guitar? <laughs> Is it Max Payne? No. Oh, you looked at me like I, I was right. <laughs> I was like, that's crazy. Uh, heel or face in 93, 94? Yes or no. Uh, um, <laughs> wait, what do you mean? You have to oh, ask so a question as a yes, yes or no. Yeah. <laughs> um, were they a heel? Yes. Yes. Heel. Is it Bunkhouse Buck? No. That's still pretty good guess, right? <laughs> they have a female or female valet? No. So it's not Kevin Sullivan? Can I ask if they have a goofy gimmick or is that too vague? That's vague. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think either answer would help you any. <laughs> okay. So no to both major companies. I guess I probably should have done this earlier, but I was like, well... No, that was a yes. Yeah. They have worked both major companies. Yeah. That was the, that was one of the ones that I... I said no. But, but that between... 90, then, but it's like a 93, 94. 93, thing. 90... Like, yeah. I, was, I was mistaken. Because he did work in the, in the other one for a short period. I will give you that. But he's not known for that run in the other company at that time. And see, you got the preview one like I did, too. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. (laughs) Is it Greg the Hammer Valentine? No. No. I don't even know if that's a good guess, but, (laughs) you know, he shows up so randomly. I think he made his move over to WCW in the 93-94 window. Maybe it was before then. I can't remember. Yeah. Are they currently alive? No. Jesus. Are they Caucasian? Yes. I mean, yeah. yeah. For all intents and purposes, a white guy. Ninety-six <laughs> percent. Yeah, white yeah. guys. But you know, it's not. It's not like uh, <laughs> Tito Santana. But then also, all my other questions uh, have helped that. How many you got left? Not many. They're currently dead. Is it Bam Bam Bigelow? No. That's a good guess. I think Is it might be dead? my best guess yet. Is he dead? I think Bam Bam's dead. I, I mean, thought he was still alive because he hasn't been... Uh, he died in 2007. Did he? Okay, never mind. I was like, he hasn't been put in the Hall of Fame yet, and I thought they were waiting for when they were closer to Jersey so they could have him show up, but yeah, no. Maybe they'll bring a hologram. Are they famous in Japan? Uh... <laughs> Is it? It's, I mean, it's not Stan Hansen, I guess. No, they're not like yeah. Abby or um, Stan Hansen famous in Japan, or like what, those guys that were bigger in Japan but more than they were ever over here. Yeah, he, he he wrestled there some, but not enough to. Yeah, not enough to be one of. It's not one of those guys. No. can't be Bam Bam Gordy. That's a major tag team wrestler, and he was big in Japan. I think I'm up to like 18. 
I got three questions left. That's what I got. Oh my God, seventeen hours. Is it uh, King Kong Bundy? No. No. Two more questions. I know. I'm not gonna get it. Uh, well, maybe you'll get it on the last one. Who knows? Where they ever hold the Intercontinental Title? Yes. Yes. But it can't be. Then you've got one more question to go. Yeah, but it, <laughs> but it, yeah. So so it's WWF, and then it's like, well, Tatanka's not white. And the warrior held the big belt. He did. I don't know. Is it the ultimate warrior? No. No. Who is it? I'm sad. Hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last. Hey, Bad yo. guys do. God damn. Chico. God damn, I feel dumb. <laughs> <laughs> For those listening, it was Scott Hall. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I'm gonna say this, and this is probably, and this is gonna give Shane a little bit of an advantage for next time. Yeah, because everybody that's on this list is shows up quite a bit. Yeah, that was that's basically how I determine who gets on there. Who gets on the list is they show up quite a bit. Yeah, I can't. So I'm 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 not I'm not gonna give you someone that's just like I I would not give you Bunkhouse Buck or somebody that's shown up. Two times, like yeah. never gonna do that. I appreciate that. Another thing is, like, next week, Damn. World War Three, nineteen ninety six. Oh shit! Is this one gonna have a giant niche ring like the last one promised, but didn't really? There's not a giant niche ring. Okay, cool. Yeah, so. But there is still three rings. Cool. And sixty men. Is the Yeti gonna be there? Somebody got to fill those rings somehow. He might have a different name. I was like, I don't think he's there. I haven't looked to see who's there. Yeah. The Yeti is not there. Uh, that's right. I forgot he comes back as a different somebody at some point. Yeah. Music from this week's show is Firestorm. And Piper was the last music we heard on the show. So we're going to play his music. Yeah. Green Hills of Tyrol. I mean, by know. Sandy Davidson. I don't get it. You don't get it enough. That's right. We don't. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, Woo, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts at. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, it appears we are going to Virginia. So if you got any ideas of foods or beverages in the Virginia area, if you know of any foods that were popular during the World War times, even. Shane just brings a pack of cigarettes. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, back up. Yeah. Grow that there. Smoke a chino. <laughs> um, brings MREs. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, if, you've, uh, if you're familiar with Virginia, if you've got an idea for me to make or purchase or order or something like that, shoot us a, shoot us a message. Let us know. I can't... States I can't shout out my buddy Joe for sending me a drink list. I can't shout him out enough, I should say. Uh, so be like Joe. Send in ideas, and who knows? We may send you a little something as a, a thank you. Absolutely. You can always do those things at our email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on Twitter or X or whatever Elon's calling it nowadays. Yeah. At wrestlinghistoryx. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. Laters.